0: An excellent day for an exorcism. I understand all right. You're one of the undead and I'm a werewolf. When there's no more room in hell,
1: the dead will walk here. Hey Etsy. no
2: running in the
1: hallway. Hey there everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast, episode number 81. Now today we're going to do a movie that, as they say, every movie has a beginning. So we are going to go and do a movie that is the restart of a very successful franchise. This is the 2006 movie, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning. So we actually go back and find out how Leatherface became who he became and how it all transpired. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a very interesting movie. Uh, Blood, guts, gore, horror like we always love and adore. So, you know, get ready to strap yourself in for that sort of movie. But before we get started... um, remember i'm on all social platforms i'm on instagram horror crypt and i'm on facebook at horror crypt podcast now if you want to actually join um the facebook group all you've got to do is search horror crypt podcast and there you'll find the link to basically Join me, and we can have a discussion there. You can see what movies I'm putting up, what movies I've done, and we can sort of interact backwards and forwards. So yeah, there's a number of ways that you can contact me. But you know, you can always follow me on Instagram, and you definitely you can follow me on Facebook. And I'd love to get you know discussions going with regards to what your favourite movies are, what movies you've enjoyed me doing, what movies you'd like me to do in in the future, and even give me some ideas of of what movies you'd like me to review and what movies you think that I would be really you know i'd really enjoy watching and uh you know we can go from there and i'll even give you a shout out but yeah if you want to look for me at facebook it's horror crypt podcast so you can look for me there and we can get the uh, the conversation started before we get started on this movie review we always love to listen to the trailer of any movie we do so sit back and relax because here comes the trailer for Texas Chainsaw Massacre the beginning
0: Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Mama's gonna buy you a mockingbird. What are you doing? I never had me a little girl before. It, boy, you started a whole whirlwind. As long as we stick together, ain't nothing that we can't handle. It's all about the family. Look out! You kids okay? Where are you taking us? Where are you taking us, sir?
1: so the movie opens up on august the 7th 1939 we're seeing this slaughterhouse and we've seen uh, this young woman and she's working in the uh, meatpacking area and she seems to be having some trouble either breathing or some trouble just in general she's in pain whatever and she's saying to the foreman you know i need to Go home. I need to. I need to stop. I need to go home, and you know, because I'm not well. And we see that, unfortunately, as she's sitting there, um, she's starting to leak from between her legs, and we realise that she is in the middle of giving birth. And uh, she, obviously, she does give birth there. Her water breaks, and there is blood and everything there. And you know, she, cr- you know, she basically collapses onto the ground. And the foreman, being really, really know a really kind-hearted person you know because this this girl is rather you know she's not the most attractive girl in the world but she's very you know overweight and whatever and uh, so the foreman sort of like comes over and says to her you know we'll see that's what get you, what you get when you start you know fucking around on the job <laughs> so he's like wow what a lovely person this is but we don't know exactly who the father of this child is i don't think it really matters at this stage but of course you know we see that you know the camera sort of like swings down from you know a, an above shot and we see that there's a baby that's coming out from between her legs and it's it's so showing that she he is deformed there is something very very wrong with this child so we basically find that the uh, the plant owner decides to abandon the newborn in a dumpster throws it throws the child away and you know be done with it and of course we find that the poor woman that was giving birth actually dies when she's you know when she's giving birth and uh, so we then you know, basically transition to outside where we find a local woman named Luda Mae uh, Hewitt. And she's actually scrounging in the dumpster looking for food. But of course, she uncovers the uh, little infant, the, the baby that's in the dumpster. And we don't see exactly how he looks completely, but we see from a camera point of view, we can see sort of see half of his face. Um, the other part is obscured by, you know, garbage and stuff like that. So we see her pick up the baby and carry it on home and she's walking barefooted down a country a, know, basically a country dirt road and we see that he she then takes to the Hewitt residence and starts to raise the baby as her own son. Then we transition to the next 30 years where we see Thomas grows up and goes to work in the same slaughterhouse. But as we're seeing, you know, the the transition of the movie starting, we're seeing, you know, photographs being taken of the boy, and it's either, you know, photographs of one side of his face being obscured by someone's hand, or there's a sheet over there. But we never get to see his entire face. So it's not like, you know, we get to see that small little glimpse of Michael, you know, when he was attacking Laurie, and we get to see his face just for, you know, for a moment, um, we don't see anything like that. And we, we, you know, it's the same way as we don't see what you know, Jason. You know what happens after Jason grows up. We see Jason's face when he comes out of the water, but we don't see any anything further. So we really don't know what you know, um, Leatherface is going to look like. But anyway, we see through some photographs that he's, you know, people are, are obscuring one side of his face. But anyway, we transition to the slaughterhouse and he's working there as just, you know, a labourer, you know, hacking away meat and stuff like that. It's interesting, he would go back to work in the same place that his mother died. But of course, he doesn't know that his mother died there because he's been raised by another woman. And obviously, he assumes that that is his mother. So the, the conditions are so bad in the slaughterhouse that they decide to close um, his workplace And this doesn't really go down all all that well, but the foreman is trying to tell one of his employees, please go and tell, you know, Thomas that that is it. We're closed. We're done.
2: What's that disease freak still doing out here? We're closed for good now. Uh, I think he likes it here, sir. Any reason for that beast to still be here? Just, when do you get that oversized retard the hell out of here? We, sir? Just you. Hello, Hewitt.
0: Shutting down the place today. You know that, because I done told you. Shutting down for good? We ain't packing no more meat. Ain't killing no more animals, so you just leave the equipment. You just get on home now, okay? You got to go, I said. You got to get the hell out of here, you dumb animal.
1: So as you can imagine the employee was very very nervous about going to speak to Thomas and at at that stage you know Thomas is standing you know this guy is huge like he is really really tall really really built and he's standing directly in front of the, uh, the the poor worker who the foreman's basically told just to go and tell him to get the fuck out of here and uh, Thomas is holding a meat cleaver and drops it onto the ground, but of course, unfortunately, this doesn't go to plan because Thomas then retaliates against the foreman and the employee and basically sledgehammers them into the head and basically (laughs) kills them. So this really doesn't go very well at all. And of course, at that stage, then um, Thomas sees a chainsaw and decides to have a a bit of fun with the chainsaw and hacks the guy to pieces. So off he goes you know he decides well okay we're we're now closed and i can't work here anymore so i'm just going to go home so he's committed two murders you know walking down the, down the road you know did nice you know nothing really not a care in the world just having a great, great, great time but he's you know carrying his chainsaw but we we then transition over to the hewitt residence and we see that sheriff winston hoyt basically arrives at the house and you know, knocks on the front door and Charlie Hewitt comes and answers the door and he actually inquires as to where Thomas is and he basically tells Luda May and Charlie Hewitt what their son has done, that he's gone and killed a couple of people and, you know, that we need to I need to arrest them. But, you know, maybe if you come with me in the car and basically we can confront him, it may be a lot easier if you get a chance to maybe talk to him and then we can sort it out from there. But we need to arrest him or I need to arrest him because he's, he's done this. So, you know, Charlie Hewitt gets in the car with the sheriff and really, and as they're driving along, the sheriff basically says, you know, I am the last sheriff of this town and I'm actually moving, you know, next week. So really, as far as I'm concerned, there is no more sheriff, there's you know, there's no more you know police department in this town there's no more work. There's no more food. There's no more nothing. But you know you're still here, which is amazing. But everyone is is up and left. But uh, you know, he, oh, yeah. And he basically just talks backwards and forwards to Charlie. But they do happen to see um, Thomas on the side of the road, walking slowly back to the house. And of course, he's got the chainsaw in hand. And then, and he's like, "Oh, holy crap!" And this is when the police officer, you know, stops his car and goes to confront Thomas as to what he's done.
2: in there oh, he ain't here. we got a uh, we got a situation on our hands here I just came back from the slaughterhouse that tardy nephew of yours killed a man now I'm gonna have to apprehend him I thought you might want to accompany me help finesse the situation as it were Anyway, staying around this town, there's no more jobs, no more money, no more food, it's downright suicidal. And I'm the last bit of law enforcement that's left. Hell, I'm moving to Michigan next week. I often ask myself, what makes a man a killer? And I don't mind saying, you raised that retard right, me and you, we ain't taking this drive right now. You can't have a creature like that around normal folk, that's what I'm saying. He ain't retarded misunderstood. Holy shit, there he is. Jesus Christ. You stay put. I'll let you know when I need you. Put down the weapon, boy. Seen what you did back there, Hewitt. This doesn't have to be difficult, unless you make it so. Just Put the weapon down. Don't be stupid.
0: I think we've got a problem, Sheriff. Shit, I just killed the whole fucking sheriff's department. Damn. I wonder what that felt like.
1: So as we can hear, you know, Charlie has now killed the only sheriff in the place, and he decides that, well, if I've killed the entire police department, well, he doesn't need his uniform, he doesn't need his car. So we find that now Charlie Hewitt has taken the identity of Sheriff Hoyt. He's got his uniform, he's got his car, and he's suddenly become law enforcement. So really, I mean, who's going to go and and check on, you know, this nowhere town of what's going on? And so when we find that, uh, you know, he takes the body home, he takes the, the body of the sheriff home. We see that uh, the, the uh, poor old sheriff is butchered and he's made into stew meat for the family. Of course, this is when uh, the new Sheriff Hoyt <laughs> tells the family they will not leave their home even if the rest of the area becomes deserted.
0: That slaughterhouse has been more to this town than them fools will ever know. It's just a matter of time now before this town's overrun by bikers and hippies. Most families have already fled. Well, I say let them go. Let them flee to the hills and the cities to pollute our air and our water and our mines. Us, we're staying right here. The ashes of six generations of Hewitts have been tilled into the soil of this farm. We will never abandon the place of our birth on our own now, people, and alone, we will rise above it all. People may not remember what we say here tonight, but they sure as shit gonna remember what we do. Thanks to the good sheriff here, we ain't gonna go hungry tonight. Matter of fact, we ain't never gonna starve again. Mm. Charlie, Say Grace. Mama, I told you, Charlie's dead. It's Hoyt now, Sheriff Hoyt. Lord, thank you for all this bounty that you've provided for us here this evening. Amen. Tommy, come on in here and join us for supper. Come on now, son.
1: So a few months later, we see in 1979, in July 1979, two brothers, Eric and Dean, they're driving across the con- across country with their girlfriends Chrissy and Bailey. Eric and Dean are draft dodgers and are plotting to flee <laughs> to the north to being a, avoid being drafted into the U.S. Army, which is really interesting because it seemed that um, Dean was going to be going back to Vietnam. You know, he was very, you know, interested in going back, and I think Eric was was to the point where. He had been, you know, drafted into the um, American Army or into the Army, I should say, and he was less enthused about doing it. So you know, he really was on the, on the fence of saying I'm not going to go and even at one stage you know Bailey and basically Eric sit down uh, because you know Bailey is um, Eric's girlfriend and basically they just sit there and just talk about the fact that they're not going to go back like he doesn't want to go back to Vietnam he doesn't want to go to Vietnam I should say and Dean's very you know hyper let's go to Vietnam you know I've been I've done one tour of duty I want to go back and do another one this is why I came back to get you so I can take you you know to Vietnam and we can you know basically be in the same unit so really seems that, you know, Eric is like, nope. And so when Eric and his girlfriend are talking, you know, she's like saying to you know Eric, well, just tell Dean you're not going to go. We're going to basically hightail it, you know, somewhere else that they can't find us. So it really, it's one of those demographics where, you know, they're, they're having a conversation backwards and forwards, but Dean is really on the, oh yeah, let's go. And Eric's like, no, I really don't want to do this. So You know, as they're they're driving along, they decide they've got to pull over to you know a gas station and you know fill up the car and even get something to eat. But of course, they encounter a group of bikers. Now, before this all happens, they're driving you know just nonchalantly down the road, and uh, the whole group of bikers are behind their car and basically starts to intimidate them and you know terrorise them on the road. And uh, so this you know continues on for a little while, but luckily you know they manage to you know elude these bikers and they go on their merry way and of course it's, it's this stage that they decide they're going to pull over into this eatery, maybe you know, half an hour, forty-five minutes later, and of course they come, they encounter the group of bikers again who are parked out the back, just relaxing and having you know have something to eat and just you know a bit of a rest stop. So they're like, okay, this is it, <laughs> we're out of here. So they jump in the car and they they head off. Unfortunately, one of the uh, bikers, a female biker by the name of Alex, follows them and they basically, she basically chases them so much so that they the group ends up by crashing into a cow and flipping the car. In the process, Chrissy, who's been sitting in the back seat of the car, and I don't know how this is possible, but she's sitting in the back seat of this Jeep, she gets thrown from the car and lands in some weeds, you know, out of sight from the others. And it's at this stage that, you know, you see that the, the crash has happened and that everyone is really badly injured and they're trying to find out where the hell Chrissy is. And, you know, they're absolutely, you know, terrified of what's going on, which she's been thrown clear, but they don't know where she is. And, of course, who happens upon the scene? Good old... Charlie Hewitt, as in Sheriff, the brand new Sheriff Hoyt, and here you see it soon arrives on the scene, and of course we also see that Alex, as the biker, (laughs) she comes uh, uh, up against, you know, comes onto the scene as well, you know, because she sees the whole thing happen, and she pulls one of the guys out of the car, this is before Sheriff Hoyt arrives, and basically, you know, sticks a gun into his face, and uh, it seems that she's going to rob them. Now, the poor guys have just you know, rolled their car. We don't know where Chrissy is. They're bloodied and beaten in the car. And we've got this biker decides that she's going to go and shoot. If she doesn't get what she wants, she's going to go and uh, shoot Dean. Of course, at this stage, we hear the, the you know, sirens behind her. And we see there's a patrol car coming up. So I was like, oh, shit. So she says to Dean, you know, be cool. You know, play it Easy. Don't get overexcited, because if you do, I'm going to shoot the cop, then I'm going to shoot you. Well, we don't know. Obviously, she doesn't know who she's up against. But so Sheriff Hoyt gets out of the car, and immediately, you know, as he's walking over, he says, you know, is everyone okay? And, of course, this is when Alex says, yep, we're fine, Sheriff, we just had an accident. And he goes, yeah, I know you did. And he pulls out a shotgun and blasts poor old Alex, you know, through her chest and basically throws her... You know, a couple of you know feet you know away from the car, and then walks over and says to the rest of the group, you know, is everyone okay? And starts pulling people out, left, right, and centre out of the car. Now they're bloodied and bruised and everything, but it's Dean that actually says, you know, I don't know where my girlfriend Chrissy is. She, you know, and and Sheriff Hoyt really doesn't give a shit. You know, I've got to call him Sheriff Hoyt because this is what he's going to be known as for the rest of this movie and also into the next movie which we will do sometime down the track. But of course, it's at this stage that she he picks up the body of uh, Alex and throws the, bo- the body into the back of the trunk of the, of the squad car and then puts the rest of the group into the back seat and then calls his uncle Monty... Um, which is another weird Hewitt. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Monty Hewitt is—he's—he's he's part. yeah, you know, he's part of the family, but he's very much along the lines of I don't want to get involved with anything that he's doing. So you know, when they when they were having this conversation about um, you know the original Sheriff Hoyt basically being the bounty for the for the family, you know, you can sort of see that Luda May and. Um, you know, Uncle Monty, like, Ludame is basically saying to Uncle Monty in no no verbalization, but he she's basically looking at him as if to say, don't say a word. Like, you know, we can see that, you know, Leatherface is the person that he's going to become. He's, you know, he's very much at the control of Charlie Hewitt, as in the new Sheriff Hoyt. And basically what he says, you know, Thomas goes and does we got to say Thomas right now because he's really not Leatherface right now until he does his first official real kill and takes the face of, uh, of someone that we'll, we'll get to. So really, when you look at it, the two psychopaths in this family is Sheriff Hoyt and also Leatherface. But Uncle Monty is sort of like looking at, you know, Luda Mae. Luda Mae's like, don't, no, 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 don't say anything. You know, we know that he's killed, you know, that the... the the real sheriff, we know that he slaughtered him, we know that we're about to eat this poor guy, um, but don't say a thing. So really, the person that's running the whole family is not Leatherface at all. It's really Charlie Hewitt. But Charlie is really saying to everyone, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing and everyone's going to go through with what I'm going to do and everyone's going to tow the line. So when he calls Uncle Monty on the CB radio to tow the wreckage, he basically, you know, there's Uncle Monty going, yes, Charlie, okay, I'll come and pick up the car. And he's like, no, over, you know, official FCC regulation, you know, CB radio, who am I? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's right, sorry, Sheriff Hoyt. And he's like, yeah, that's better. So the tow truck comes and tows the car in which Chrissy hides herself uh, basically in the back seat. So, you know, the poor car is (laughs) really, it's destroyed. I mean, I don't know how she even got into the back seat because the car was just basically just decimated. But anyway, you know. Uncle My picks up the car, and we see it's being towed. But we see that the the poor group is not being taken to a a, um, a police station. It's actually being taken to the Hewitt House, and he basically calls for Thomas. Now, when the the group is sitting in the back, that we see Thomas walking towards the the car. Now, if you have seen the if you've seen this this episode. This movie of the beginning of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he's sort of like wearing a half mask. So the mask basically goes from the top, from the top bridge of his nose down to his, his mouth. So you can see the, you know, see his eyes. So you know, you could basically see that you'd say that he's just wearing just a regular mask he might be spray painting something, whatever. But you see him, you know, open the the trunk of the car and grab Alex out of the trunk and walks away with her. So you know, your, your first instinct if you're sitting in the back seat of the car is like, um. So why are we here and why are they taking that dead body out of the car? We really don't know. Unfortunately, we do find out because obviously Thomas is about to butcher the dead Alex that's been, you know, taken into the barn. And of course, it's the it's this stage that the new Hoyt takes Eric and Dean into the bar and uh, sorry, the bar, the barn, B A R N, and hangs them by their arms from the rafters. He later basically ties Bailey to the kitchen table. And this is really, really, you know, it's terrifying because at some stage when the, when Sheriff Hoyt was looking through the wreckage of the car, he found a, um, a draft card that had been partially burnt. Now, you could say that it was the impact of the car, something had caught on fire, whatever, but he saw that there was part of the, the draft card that had been burnt. And he basically had said to the group, you know, who the hell is Eric? Now, Dean, being an awesome brother, basically says, "Oh, oh, i'm I'm Eric, I'm yeah, you know, that's Dean." And we see that it's about to go down that Sheriff Hoyt is not very impressed with what these guys are doing, and there is a draft dodger. And so he basically starts to befriend Eric, the real Eric. You know, thinking that he is Dean and basically says, oh, so where did you serve? And he's like, oh, I served in this infantry in this part of Vietnam and I did. And he's like, you know, how many commies did you kill and stuff like that? And so it really, he starts to talk backwards and forwards. And, but we find out that unfortunately, as Sheriff Hoyt is, is doing his investigation, we I mean, I say Sheriff Hoyt, we've got to say it because that's the keyest character now. But he basically learns that um, Eric is not who he actually is you know, not Dean. He is actually Eric, and he's the one that's burnt the uh, the draft card. So he's been thrown onto the ground, and he has to do twenty push-ups. So as he's doing twenty push-ups, you know Sheriff Hoyt is standing over him with a baton, and you know hitting with a nightstick, basically forcing him to do, to do push-ups. He's hitting them on his, on his, you know, hitting on their back on their arms, on their legs, and he's basically having a great time. And, you know, Dean is screaming at, you know, Sheriff Hoyt saying, you know, motherfucker, you come over here, I'll kill you. And he's like, yeah, I'd really like to see that, you know, but, you know, it's good, you just keep going, of course. And as as he's doing it, you know, Sheriff Hoyt's saying, Hey, if you can do 20 push ups, I'll let you live, I'll let you go. And of course, so Dean is really, you know, cheering his brother on. But every time that he does a push up, there's Sheriff Hoyt, you know, whacking him, you know, with a nightstick over his back, over the side of his head, over the, you know, so he's really trying to intimidate him to make sure that he doesn't complete. The 20 push-ups he actually does he actually does you know complete the 20 push-ups and at this stage that poor old eric is just basically decimated he is bruised and beaten and battered and he's just laying on the ground and uh is this when dean basically says you know he you know he's basically he's done what you wanted to do just let him go and of course this is when sheriff hoyt comes over and says to dean i don't think either one of you are going to be going anywhere you know, and of course Dean's hung up on the rafters. He's got his arms outstretched, so he's basically just being hung there. And uh, it's at this stage that Dean manages to tr- find some way to get out of his his shackles and you know release himself and runs over to parole Eric. And Eric is just you know he's battered and bruised, and it's like oh, I just want I want to get out of here, but I can't leave you. By yourself, So they, they basically manage to free both themselves and they start to try and figure out they've got to rescue Bailey. Now Bailey is, as I said, she's tied up underneath the kitchen table and we see a little segment where, you know, one of the uh, family members, as in Luda Mae, she's got a friend of hers that's sitting there having a cup of coffee and just, you know, just enjoying herself and you keep hearing this bang on the table and you think, what the hell is that? Well, no, it's Perrault Bailey that's tied up underneath the legs of the table. So she's trying to pull herself away, you know, from um, from the table and try to free herself. So every time she pulls, you know, her, her bindings, you see that she's moving the table. And the, and the two people sitting up at the top, they're just, you know, really, they're ignoring her. But you can hear this going on. And it's so at this stage that, you know, luckily, um, Eric and Dean having to burst into the uh, kitchen managed to get Odame out of there. Odame I don't, I'm not doing that. It's Ludame. Good Lord. Odame is <laughs> actually in Ghost. Oh my God. I, I think movies are starting to transition from one to the other. So Ludame is basically thrown out of the kitchen and the other lady has been pushed against the door. And we see that uh, Charlie, as in you know, good old Sheriff Hoyt, is on the other side of the door. But they managed to free... Um, Bailey, and she actually manages to make a quick exit out of the house and starts running towards the van. Now, as she's running, sorry, as she's running towards the tow truck. Now, she had seen when she was underneath the table that uh, Uncle Monty had put the keys of the the tow truck on the uh, kitchen table. So she manages to grab those and runs towards the the uh, the tow truck, jumps in the car. And starts it up. So we see that, oh my God, okay, Bailey's going to make it out of there. Unfortunately, as that's happening, we also see that Hoyt has come into the kitchen and has beaten, um, basically beaten Dean. And so Dean's been knocked down and Eric, he decides to freeze runs and flees out of the situation. But as he's running along, he gets uh, caught by a bear trap and, of course, screams bloody murder, which is, hey, I would do that too if a, if a bear trap suddenly clamped around my uh, my legs and actually had stopped me. So this whole thing is going on, and, of course, we're seeing that Bailey is driving the, uh, the tow truck away from the Hewitt residence. Unfortunately, Thomas stops her by stabbing her in the chest with a meat hook and drags her from the truck. Thomas then takes Eric to the basement. Of course, he then straps him down onto a wooden table, and it's like, oh, holy crap. And this is really one of those, really, (laughs) one of those parts of the movie where you sit there and your skin is really crawling because you can see what he's going to do, you know. And and, uh, Thomas is basically just, you know, moving over his body, checking his arms, checking his, you know, face, his mouth, everything like that. And it's like, "Uh, okay, you know, we know what's coming, but we're just, we're getting ready for it. And it's just, yeah. It's, it's a very, very gross situation because we start to see that um, Thomas is starting to cut parts of um, Eric's arms open. But he's not like just ripping them apart, whatever. He's basically, he's almost like filleting his arms to the point where you can just basically see the muscle and the tendon and stuff like that. So it's almost like a, it's a very, very slow torture of uh, what poor old Eric is now enduring. So now, I haven't forgotten Chrissy. Now, Chrissy has not entered the house at this moment. She's still outside, but she manages to track down, as in she runs to the to the main road, or the dirt road, I should say, and manages to flag down one of the bikers. Now, one of the bikers by the name of Holden um, you know, is coming down the road, and he, she manages to flag him down and says "Listen, you know, my friends have been taken captive in this house, and he goes to, you know, drive away as if to say, I don't really give a fuck, but she says, you know, and your, you know, your friend has been you know, captured too, which we now find out that Holden is actually in a relationship with Alex, who's already being killed, um, by the Hewitt. So it's like, okay, so this is, this piques his interest and he basically says, okay, so where, where is this, this house? So luckily Chrissy gets on the back of the uh, motorcycle and they head towards the home. So as they, they're walking towards the house, you know, Holden basically says to Al to, um, you know to Chrissy you know you're on your own you go and find your friends I don't give a fuck what your friends are doing I've got to go and find Alex so he searches around the house for Alex but ends up by seeing Monty Uncle Monty sitting in his you know rocking chair just not doing much but of course he ends up by shooting him in one of his kneecaps and of course then he surprises Officer Hoyt and basically says take me to the girl now for some reason, well not for some reason, we understand, that um, Officer Hoyt assumes that he's talking about um, poor old Bailey that has now been brought from downstairs up onto one of the bedrooms and she's now strapped to a bed. So she's basically just laying there. So he basically drags her... You know, you know, Holden basically drags Hoyt all the way around the house, and Hoyt thinks, "Oh, okay, you want you want Bailey. I'll take you to Bailey." So they go into the room, and we find out that oh, that, and he goes, "Yeah, that's not her." And he's like, "Oh, sh- it's not shit." And we find out that it's unfortunately not the right girl, and we assume we now know that now Holden is in a relationship with Alex, and we've we see that you know she's being butchered. Unfortunately, we also see that there's a bit of a problem because Thomas actually comes from nowhere and uh, grabs a hold of the uh, of uh, Holden and holds him to the ground. So this is when Hoyt basically te- you know swaps places with uh, with Thomas and basically says, "Come on, boy, do your business." So he you know, starts up his chainsaw, and it's like, "Oh God, here we go!" But as he goes to you know um, you know chainsaw this poor guy holden holden manages to break his his you know grasp and they fight a little bit and of course this is when um the chainsaw run you know goes out of thomas's hands and lands on the ground but of course unfortunately when officer hoyt gets a hold of um holden he throws him towards the chainsaw which now lands onto his stomach so now we're getting a little bit of ch- chainsaw action but of course the chainsaw is not running it's just in motion it's just you know the, the engine's just running. It's at this stage that uh, Officer Hoyt then holds Holden down and says to Thomas, "Do you do your work?" And Thomas grabs a hold of the chainsaw, engages the chain, and chainsaws him straight through the, the chest, through his back, and basically severs him and basically cuts him in two. So I was like, "Ah, oh, for the love of God, this is really gonna, this is really going, uh, you know, all. F- I mean, this is blood guts and gore that we love, but this is on a thousand percent level of just holy crap." So with everything that's going on we find that Chrissy has found her way down into the basement and sees Eric laying on the on, on the table and basically, you know, Eric says, you know, I can't I'm so cold, I can't feel anything in my arms. Are my arms okay? And she just like sort of looks over, and you can see that his arms, both of his arms now, have been filleted by um, Thomas. So he's really got just basically muscles and tendons and bone, but he's got no no flesh whatsoever. He's basically just been stripped away. And we hear that Thomas is coming downstairs, and basically Eric, Eric says to chrissy "Hide, you know, go, please hide, you know, save yourself." So she goes underneath the table, and of course, it's at this stage that we see that Thomas is um, you know starts up the chainsaw, and plunges the chainsaw deep into Eric's stomach and basically kills him now it's at this stage where we find the uh, the way that Leatherface is um, born because after Eric's being killed he then Thomas then skins his face off of um, Eric and puts it on as a mask thus earning the name Nick Leatherface so and it's absolutely terrifying because at one stage you know Poor old Chrissy, who's hiding underneath the table, just gets a very, very quick glimpse of Leatherface when he turns around because Sheriff Hoyt basically says, you know, come on up here. You know, Thomas, we need to, you know, I need your, your help. So he turns just briefly towards the door and she gets a, a glimpse. And we see that he, you know, Leatherface, or you know, Thomas, is now wearing Eric's face. So it's like, oh my God. So he grabs the chainsaw, runs upstairs. And of course, this is when Sheriff Hoyt goes, oh, I like your new face. And it's like, and he doesn't say anything because Leatherface doesn't say anything at all. And we see that, we, you know, both Thomas, as in Leatherface, comes to the <laughs> comes to the aid of a wounded uncled Monty. Now remember, Monty has been shot in an, in the knee, and he's you know he's absolutely you know in pain and agony. And so, <laughs> you know, and this is why I'm saying that Leatherface is not just you know running on his own ideas. It's definitely Sheriff Hoyt, and Sheriff Hoyt is the one that's really controlling the whole thing. And he basically says to to um, Leatherface, listen. Um, He's been shot, and we really need to help him. So, you know, do your thing. So, Leatherface then turns the chainsaw on and chainsaws his leg, poor old Uncle Monty's leg, off. And then it's like, oh, hang on a minute, and, and this is when Sheriff Hoyt goes, oh, now what are we going to do there? You know, he can't, he can't, you know, walk like that, and he's, you know, it, it doesn't look right. So for no reason whatsoever, Thomas chainsaws Monty's other leg off as well, just above the kneecap, as some twisted way of making it work perfectly, because he basically, you know, he saw, you know, chainsaws him off, and course, this is when Sheriff Hoyt goes. Ah, that's that's good work, Thomas. Good work. Just just wrap this up. So you know, you know the parole uh, Uncle Monty, and this is how we learn how Uncle Monty became in the wheelchair with no legs because you know he's already been shot. Okay, that leg's been taken off above the knee to make sure that you know he's not going to get infected with the with the gunshot. And it's like, yeah, but we need to even. And this is this is the this is the way that Sheriff Hoyt basically says oh, we can't have him walking with one leg and one no leg, we need to even him up, and it's at this stage that Monty like, looks as if to say, what? What do you mean, even me up? Well, by the time he says, even me up, bzz, there, goes the other, <laughs> there goes the other leg. So it's like, okay, well, we've now got no legs, and now he's going to be confined to a wheelchair, basically, forever. So now later, Chrissy finds and tries to free Bailey, whom Hoyt has tied up again on the second floor, and of course, we you know, it just doesn't work as Chrissy attempts to untie her friend Hoyt and Thomas catch her and bring her downstairs for brackets dinner. So now Chrissy basically sees that uh, old Dean is unconscious and he's basically got his head on the table. So he's, he's out to he can't basically help anything. And we then pan, the camera pans over to Bailey and uh, Sheriff Hoyt starts to engage um, with Chrissy and basically says to, to her that there's, you know, really, you know, she's, Bailey's not going to be eating a whole lot of uh, meat anymore. And uh, we see that she opens her mouth and we see that all her teeth have been pulled out. So she's going to be basically sucking her meals through a straw as, you know... Um, Officer Hoyt says to Chrissy. And Chrissy is now, you know, she's strapped to the chair. She's at the front head of the dinner table, but she's strapped to the chair. She can't get out. And really, it's it's absolutely terrifying what she's going through. And we also see that now Leatherface is standing just to the side of um, Sheriff Hoyt when Sheriff Hoyt decides that he wants to engage in a bit, of, uh, a bit of conversation with the table. However, this is after a bit of a conversation that he has with Chrissy who you know Chrissy wants to ask questions about what's going on why are you doing this and so Sheriff Hoyt he really doesn't take too kindly to being interrupted when he's about to say grace or basically have a a, you know a family meal so he basically wants to lay down the law
0: no talking until after I've said grace asshole that's been given us. I heads. I was hungry and he gave me meat. I was thirsty and he gave me drink. I was a stranger and he took me in. This family has endured through adversity and pain. We have endured. We have prevailed. We'll never, ever go hungry again. I have a question for you.
2: What involves the family tree, the lineage, if you will. So I guess this one's for the table. You guys fuck all your cousins or just the ones you find attractive? You blasphemous bitch! This is
0: redemption, lady. That's what this is. Oh, you're all going to pay for your sins. That's right. And especially you. Mama, go take care
1: of Uncle Monty. So it's at this stage that now we've got a situation where the the dinner is coming to an end. And this is when Sheriff Hoyt basically looks at um, Leatherface and says, you know, put her out of her misery, as in Bailey. So he walks over, grabs hold of Bailey's um, neck, and slits her throat, killing her instantly. And, you know, this absolutely, uh, as it would terrify um, Chrissy, who basically is grabbed by Leatherface, and she's taken downstairs as well. On the way down to the basement, Chrissy manages to stab Thomas in the back of the, uh, in, in the back, with a screwdriver and escapes by jumping out a window with Thomas pursuing her. So it's really quite cool because she, she basically, you know, how you become disorientated. If you if you got to try and... If you know somewhere really really well you know and you think okay i know how to get out of this area so if i had to run out of this i'd go this way to go that way but with the adrenaline running and stuff like that she's running up from the basement you know leatherface has got the uh, the screwdriver in the back of his back and so she's running you know high tailing it out of there and she turns one way and of course oh shit, that's there's hoyt so she turns the other way runs towards the front door Of course, the door is suddenly blocked by uh, Sheriff Hoyt again. So she goes into the living room, jumps through the living room window and smashes through the living room window... And runs away. Of course, hot on her heels is Leatherface with the chainsaw, and you know <laughs> Sheriff Hoyt's just sitting there going, "Ah, oh, don't worry, he'll 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 catch her. No problems at all." So we don't really see what's going on except her just high tailing it out of there in the middle of the night, and there's you know Leatherface running right behind her with the chainsaw. So Dean regains consciousness. Now remember, Dean was laying on the on the table with his head on the table, so he's coming to, and of course he sees that um, his you know beloved girlfriend is has his throat slit and she's dead on the table so he manages to escape to the front of the house and he, of course he, he comes up with against um hoyt and basically um assaults hoyt and smashes his head repeatedly into the solid concrete porch knocking him out cold so you're like oh yes okay he's done awesome so as well as hoyt's two front teeth so so this is where you know in the next um movie you see um that uh, Hoyt smiles at uh, someone and he takes the two front teeth out. That was the the, uh, little memento the Dean happened to give him. So then he basically heads out to find Chrissy. Now, Chrissy manages to hide in the abandoned slaughterhouse. Now, this is where you sit there and go, oh, for everywhere that you'd want to hide, that's probably not the greatest place to hide because we know that Thomas has worked there, so he basically knows it backwards and you know forwards. And, of course, you're not going to be running towards a building and suddenly there's a sign saying, oh, Thomas used to work here, don't hide here. So she doesn't know, so she's trying to hide, but she hides in this pit, and it's this pit of blood and guts and it's the the smell must be horrendous but she's basically hiding in this vat of shit you know all the the awful and all the entrails of all the animals that's being killed but you know if you're basically trying to hide from a statistic killer yeah you'd do that as well so he manages to you know she's hiding in there and you know we, we're seeing that dean's running towards the slaughterhouse trying to find where chrissy is now, meanwhile, Leatherface is on the hunt for Chrissy, and I love this part of the movie because really what happens is the music drops down, so you basically just got the footsteps of Leatherface walking around trying to find Chrissy, and you see Chrissy has managed has managed to find a a knife. That was just out of her reach, a little bit on the ground, but she manages to just grab a hold of it. But she's in there, and she's got blood all over her. Her hair is just basically just matted with blood. But she's sitting in this, this vat of crap, you know, trying to hide from him. And you hear the footsteps, you know, walking along, and, and it's like it's very, very eerie. And suddenly you see the him, you know, he you know, Leatherface just turned the corner, and you think, oh. And this is when Chrissy goes. Oh, awesome! He's gone. I can get out of here. Well, I mean, I'd be staying in there until the rapture. I wouldn't be coming out of that that vat of shit at all until I know that he is gone or died of old age. But so he manages. She so she basically you know comes out of it a little bit. To see if he's around, and of course, suddenly, you know, Thomas grabs a hold of her and pulls her out of the vat to go to kill her. It's at this stage that she slashes his face with a knife. But unfortunately, you know, him being this this big, you know, burly guy, drags her to the floor and ready and turns the chainsaw on, ready to kill her. Dean arrives and just, just jumps on top of uh, Thomas to try and stop him from killing um, Chrissy, which does work, but unfortunately. Uh, Thomas, as in Leatherface, impales and kills him with a chainsaw, you know, straight through the back and straight out the front. So you know, old Dean is now being chainsawed and killed. Meanwhile, so Chrissy is you know now being able to get away from the situation. So she's now the last person. Alive. Now remember there was the you know the person that was there the foreman that was actually working in the slaughterhouse We can see that his car is still um, In the back of the slaughterhouse and she sees the car keys So she grabs the car keys runs over to the car and manages to jump in and you know with the adrenaline going How the hell are you supposed to find the ignition to start the car up? But she manages to do it all being well She starts the car up and hightails it out of there So, you know, she's desperately trying to find help and she sees a police deputy which is and he's pulled over someone on the side of the road. So Chrissy's about to pull over to basically say, Oh thank God, you know, I've you know someone is here to help me. Unfortunately we didn't see that Thomas made his way into the back seat of this car. And he appears from the back seat and rams the chainsaw straight through her seat, straight through her back, and straight out of her, her stomach. The car comes out of control and crashes into the deputy and the poor old guy that he'd been he'd been pulled over and killed them both um, instantly. Thomas, now called Leatherface, he exits, he gets out of the back seat of the car and he slowly walks back to the... Uh, back to the house along the dark road and we basically see we see him walking away he's got his chainsaw in his right hand and he's just walking back slowly that the carnage is absolutely everywhere i mean chrissy is now dead and it's it's like you know when you when you see that you know she's gonna make it you can see she's getting close to you know getting saved by this other police officer and it's like oh my god she's gonna make it she's gonna make it she's, she's almost there and then suddenly you you see that you know chain yeah the chainsaw comes straight through the the um, the back of her seat and straight through her and it's like oh my god she almost made it but you know the fact that this car careens out of control and takes out the police officer and this poor guy that was pulled over is absolutely amazing there's as i said there's debris and everything everywhere the car as i said comes to a stop you know thomas gets out of the car and he's like oh okay i've killed everyone everyone's dead so i'll just walk back home and then as the movie starts to you know pan into the very final part of the movie we hear this From 1969 to 1973, the Hewitt family murdered 33 people across the state of Texas. To this day, their killing spree is universally considered one of the most notorious and perversely sadistic crimes in the annals of American history. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The movie fades to black and that is the end of the movie. I'm telling you, this is a roller coaster of a movie where it'll get you to the edge of your seat and it'll push you over the edge of your seat. It's such a great movie. I, I really enjoyed this one. I didn't think that I'd really, you know, that I would. Um, I'd seen the next one after this and I thought, oh, okay, well, this is b- where it starts, but it doesn't. You know, luckily, this one really takes you to the very beginning and shows you exactly how Leatherface, you know, became who he was. It's really interesting that the budget was an estimated $16 million and... But it grossed fifty-one million dollars at the you know worldwide. And I think that is absolutely amazing. The opening weekend in the US and Canada, nineteen point one million dollars. Holy crap, on a sixteen million dollar budget. That's pretty impressive. Look, before we go, we need to do Paul's fun facts. So now before we get to Paul's fun facts, of which there are 33 fun facts of this movie, I didn't give you my rating. So my rating was zero to five buckets of blood, zero being how do I get the last two hours of my life back, to five it was a perfect movie and I watch it all over again. I'm telling you, I'm giving this a solid four out of five. It was absolutely amazing. It was edge of your seat. I wouldn't give it a five out of five. It's not, by any stretch of the imagination, perfect. But it was pretty bloody close, but I would definitely give it a 4 out of 5 for sure. So, the cow that gets hit by the Jeep was made of fiberglass and filled with blood, fake entrails and fake bones, then screwed together. This was, I mean, when you see the, the car driving down the road and you see that there's suddenly a cow in the way... And they clip it and just basically just it just absolutely decimates the bloody cow. I mean, they're, obviously they're not going to put a real cow in in the way to get you know decimated, but it was very very well done and it was very believable that they actually hit a poor cow that was walking across the road. So when I was saying you know this guy who plays Leatherface was very big and very very stocky. He needed to be because the chainsaw that he uses in the film actually weighs 35 pounds. So it's pretty bloody heavy that this guy's got to you know, wander around all over the place and chase people with and hold. I mean, it's not going to be like a one-shot deal where they say action and he runs from one spot to the other. There'd be multiple takes of him doing that. So, you know, that's pretty impressive. Now, there was a scene in the movie and it was, was pretty, you know, you know, it was a very, very claustrophobic scene when Eric gets his face wrapped in cellophane by Sheriff Hoyt. It's actually a real um, situation that they actually did. Matt Boomer's head was actually being wrapped in, in saran wrap by um, Ali Remini, which is basically Sheriff Hoyt, and he was very concerned for him. They left a small gap opening in the bottom of Matt's chin, to help him breathe but it didn't help much so whenever he was having trouble breathing he would indicate by knocking his knees together but this is you know the the level of you know authenticity that this movie was really trying to get so when you see his you know head cellophaned, yeah that's actually real it's not a stunt man this is actually the real actor going through and doing this just a couple more before i finish off this podcast so the, this is the very first movie to receive ireland's 18 plus rating that's pretty impressive to get this, this is the very first movie. Yeah, this is the one that gets the 18 plus. And I tell you what, I understand that because it is extremely graphic in the extreme. And just the final two. So the body count of this movie is 11. 12 if you count the cow. <laughs> and Bailey's throat slitting scene was done nine times with slightly varia- variations of each time. So that's not too bad. And the body count all on screen was nine. There you go. Anyway, thank you very much once again for coming to visit me at the Horror Crypt podcast. I really love the fact that you guys are enjoying the uh, horror movies that I'm doing. I've got some great ones coming up. Um, it's just yeah, it's very very humbling to just see that the numbers are going up and everyone's downloading the the uh, podcast. Everyone's enjoying it and interacting. So as I said, you know you can reach out to me, Horror Crypt 2022 at gmail.com that's a you know you can send me a direct message there but you can also follow me on Facebook and we can get the you know conversation going of movies that you like movies that you think I should watch and things like that or movies that you'd like me to review and as I said you can also follow me at uh, on Instagram at horror crypt2021 I think is something like that. Just search the horror crypt you'll find me <laughs> anyway once again thank you very much for coming to visit me. I hope you've enjoyed yourself with this episode And I will creep you later until next week.